welcome to our church. Glad that you're all here, and we're looking forward to another marvelous service. First of all, let's listen to this, National Capital Bible Church, as we read this, as we begin our church. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. And that's a wonderful thing for us to understand as we begin Psalm 1, 1 through 3, because it brings us to understand our relationship with God and our relationship with him. So let's take a few seconds, closing our eyes, to uh, for our spiritual preparation. And, of course, it's operation for us to confession of sins or simply begin our focus on our service today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this remarkable day. We're thankful that you continue to provide for us each day and every moment. Father, we're thankful that you are our God. We're thankful that you're the creator. And we, Father, you are the the creator and we are creatures. We're thankful, Father, that you take for us, that you love us, And, of course, as we've often said, that you not only love us, but you've sent your Son to be our Savior, someone who is not only going to the cross, but has taken the guilt for us so that we can simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, for your blessing upon us this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We certainly enjoy singing and realizing that much that we read in Psalm tells us about praising God and worshiping to him. And so this morning, let's read to Psalm 96 for our call to worship. This is one of our psalms, Psalm 96, a song of praise to God. And we'll sing the first six verses about these songs. And this is an opportunity for us every day to pray the Lord, uh, to, to sing to him and praise him for what he is doing for us. In Psalm 90, Psalm 96, We'll sing through one through six. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. I think this tells us that we have the opportunity every day because God provides for us every day. And it's not simply for songs previously, 
but they're today. What is God doing for us? What is the joy that we have from him every day? And we'll see this as we go. So, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation or his deliverance from day to day. This is how we worship him. Day to day to day. Every day. And every day uh, we often have many of the same things. But other times it is newly. And we are uh, joyed because of what he's done for us. Verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations. The word for nations here can also tell us that it's the Gentiles, but it's all the nations. So this is not just for Israel and uh, for, uh, for Israel, but in fact, it's for all of us. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all the peoples. For, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is the feared above all gods. And so we have here in verse 4 that the Lord is great. And you'll notice it says he's not only greatly to be praised, but we're told immediately that he is feared above all gods. Who are these gods? Well, there is only one God, but there are others who find themselves to praise or to find themselves in other, what we might call gods, things that seem to be important to us. But if they are there, we're to be, we, he is to be feared from all gods. Five, verse five, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And of course, we know that idols are those who are dead. They do not exist. And so we move beyond those. We set them aside. Verse 6. Honor and worship are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. For us, we would say his presence. His presence with us tells us in verse 6 that we honor and majesty, uh, honor and majesty are before him and strength and beauty are in his presence. This is a wonderful, another part of what we have here in our call to worship. Now, this is also our opportunity that we have for forgiving. And the one of the blessings that we know is that this is something that comes to us. It's not something that is required. It's simply an opportunity for us to praise the Lord through these gifts. As I've said prior, uh, previously in Second Corinthians 9, 6-7, Paul says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows generously will also reap 
generously. In other words, this is our opportunity. It's not something that we're pushed. No, it's our opportunity to do so in expressing our love. He says that each one of you should give, just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a willing, a gracious, a cheater giver. So let's take a few seconds, closing our eyes and bowing our heads, and then we I'll, I'll say one more prayer for this. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we have this opportunity. Help us to grow maturity, realizing that you provide for our opportunity to express our love. And Father, we're thankful that you provide the opportunity that we have the opportunity. And we're thankful that it's wonderful. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin with a prayer and uh, when we pray um, think about first john 1 9 think about um, confessing your sins so we can do some spiritual preparation Um, so let's i'll give you a moment dear heavenly father thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your church and our assembly we pray that um, we can focus on these things and we're about to learn about John and the book of John and understand the what John means to us and more importantly his gospel we pray for those people in Ukraine who are suffering we pray that you watch over them and help them through this difficult time we pray for Jim and Phyllis Myers as they uh, move out of that area as well as Robbie Dean and pray for the safe travel In Christ's name, amen. Bear with us. Technical issues. Um, Hey, how does the... uh, yeah, see where the slides start. So as uh, Hal's coming up here and bring up the right slide, because I don't want to, if I mess with it, it will disappear or do something crazy and stuff like that. Um, so what I what I've decided to do for today, and and just in case I have to do this again. I've decided to go back to the beginning of John. Uh, so you kind of have an overview of John because we talked about John 9 was kind of like somewhat in the middle. But we're going to go back to the beginning of John. Uh, and for today, we're going to do a overview of John. So we're not going to actually probably, we won't get to John 1, verse 1 today. But I'm going to give you an overview because I think it's very, very important that you have a Context. You put John in context, like who who wrote John. Um, so the, the the slide view on here is different. Sorry. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, there there it is. Okay. Last time I 
I, I, last time I did this, I kind of went back and I totally messed it up, right? So it's like, so I was kept on going. You were seeing like a totally different thing on the on the screen. So now I'm shell shocked by it. I was traumatized. <laughs> okay, so we're we're gonna go back and do an overview of John, what John is, what what a gospel is, and the purpose of the book of John, authorship, the date of John, which is very very important. The theme and, of course, an outline. Because you all love outlines, right? So, <laughs> like going through the outlines. So when you're in seminary and you're taking like a, a course on the Gospels, you have to do outlines. And you think it would be easy because you just can go open up your King James Bible. And then it's like because it has an automatic outline in there. But now it has to be your own outline. Because those outlines not always comply to what the Scripture is going. So you have to make your, your own outline. Okay. So what is a what is a gospel? And you probably heard the word gospel all the time. I came from a different background when I was little, and so the word gospel was used slightly differently or maybe a lot. And so it wasn't until later in my life I really understood what gospel, what the gospel was. And the go, the word gospel comes from the Greek word elangelion, and which means gospel the good news, and that's why the, we have the Good News Club, because we're given the gospel, of how to, what that means, and talking about Jesus, and how to believe, and how to get eternal life. So that's basically the good news. But Egan, Evangelion occurs 93 times throughout the New Testament. Um, this is very, very important, because sometimes you get liberal thoughts, and liberal people, or different denominations will come and say, well, this is... This is what this means. This is what this means. So what we need to do is go to the scripture and what and, and what the scripture says about this thing. So the gospel is about the good news, and the good news, of course, is about Jesus going to the cross, being that lamb, the sacrificed lamb that was foretold in the in the Old Testament, and that he went to the cross. He was the the blood sacrifice. And he, he, all the sins were poured out on him, and then he rose on the third day, the resurrection. And if you believe in him, and then you will have eternal life. Now, now you guys all got the gospel, and so we can all go home now, go whatever we want to do. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, but so this is the, the elements of the gospel. So we have, first we have to talk about why we need to be saved, because we're all sinners. We're, we have sin, and therefore we are separated from God. And then in order to, to be with God, there has to be a blood sacrifice, and that's super, super important. And so there cannot be no redemption without a blood sacrifice. And that's why we had animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, and that's why Jesus went to the cross. And that's why his blood represents his salvation work. And then we have uh, Jesus wrote, Jesus rose from the dead, that that he is over death, and it verifies that he is the Messiah, that he was God. And then if we believe in him, we have eternal life. So, everybody, I don't want to go too fast because I tend to go really, really fast. So I know some people are taking notes.
So those are the elements in the in the the gospel. So if you're giving the gospel, this is really helps, and especially for the good news. So you want to hit some of these or all these elements when you're in the good news club. Um, so the John is one of four gospels in the New Testament, which is really amazing thing because when because I'm I come from a law enforcement background, and when you interview people about a certain incident that happened, we interview lots of people. So you need multiple witnesses. And then even in the the Jewish system, the Jewish culture, the law, that requires at least two witnesses, the more the merrier. So that really helps. And so in in the Bible, we have four um, books, the witnesses, where we call the Gospels, that talk about the life and times of Jesus and what he did for us, and that he was the Messiah. So there's so there's four books in the in the old, or in the New Testament, three of which are considered the synoptic gospels. And I don't know if you ever heard of the, that term synoptic gospels, but Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered the the synoptic gospels. And what that means is that you can take the gospels. And then they're not, they don't line up exactly, but with good study, you can actually arrange it and see that the, the a lot of verses within the gospels, a lot of in, situations and incidents that happen within those three gospels, you can line them up and match them up and, cause they have the same information within there. However, John is different. John is not part of the synoptic gospels. Um, this, the gospels, um, talk about the life of Jesus and report the good news, which is the salvation me- message. Um, so Mark, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the life of Jesus in a very similar way, but then John is going to do it. He's going to tell that story in a different way. And it almost like when you read John, it is almost like he's saying, Read this first, because you need this gospel first in order to, so that I'm going to give you a clear, concise presentation of the gospel, the good news, how to be saved, and then you can move on and then develop your spiritual life from that. So it's almost like he's saying, like, read read this first. Like, if you're in an instructions manual, and you, like, I got a new dishwasher the other day, and you pull out the manual, it's really big, but then you just want to read the, the basic stuff, right? How do I get started? So it's kind of like that. Um, so the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, try to harmonize the Gospels, which means they try to line up or, or identify similar verses that talk about the same situation or incident. Um, and then there's there's three views of the um, synoptic Gospels. I'm not going to bore you with that. That's a whole later discussion. Um, but that's, you should be aware that there are three different views. And these views, what that means is that s- some critics, and maybe the majority, believe that Matthew did not come first. They believe that maybe Mark came first. And so there's actually three different views on that. So just be aware, because that's, because if you run across somebody, it's like, well, you know, Matthew didn't come first and stuff. But, so there, just be aware. So, now the purpose of John. And then when the writer writes their book, they always have a purpose. Whether you're in Isaiah 
or Leviticus or something. There's always a theme or a main purpose. And this purpose in, in John is to tell the, uh, how to find eternal life. What is eternal life? Uh, let's go to John 20 and verse 30. So John 20, starting in verse 30, says, And truly Jesus did many signs or many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John, what John is telling you is this is his stated purpose. It's all the way here in, in chapter 20, but this is the stated purpose of John so that you may have eternal, so you may believe and have eternal life. So the authorship. So you, you probably can guess who the author of John is. Um, <laughs> and so, but when it was when it was written, well, in John, in the book of John, the, John does not identify himself throughout the book. However, um, we do have clues. And th- this is very important for your awareness because in, as society is very, becomes liberal or there's even liberal theology, they come, there's a lot of people who will come and say, well, Paul didn't write this or John didn't write that and stuff. So this, you should be aware that there are critics out there who will say, like, well, John was written, like, uh, uh, 150 A.D. or something like that, uh, which that means that John couldn't have wrote it because he lived to about 100 A.D. So, but I'm going to show you that's, that you can have confidence that this is John and that he wrote it at a certain time and that and this is the Gospel of John. And also he wrote, he's associated, or he's attributed to, or the other um, John, the John one, John two, John three, and Revelations are attributed to him as well. So, so that's very, very important. Um, so, in throughout John, he, he if you look at the verse uh, John twenty one twenty, so go and go to that verse. It should be fairly close to where we were. So here the author identifies himself as, and I'll, I'll read the, the verse in John twenty one twenty. Then Peter turned around and saw the disciple who Jesus loved following, who, who also had learned on, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter seeing and said to Jesus, uh, but Lord, what about this man? So um, the author is the one, or is the one that Jesus loved, and the one that was on his breast during the Last Supper. So that's very, very important. Um, and then it could not been, it could not have been Peter because in in another verse Peter says uh, he looks back at the one that Jesus loves. So it couldn't have been Peter. 
And it can't, can't be James because James um, was martyred fairly early on. And so he didn't live long enough to, um, to write John because John is, is an older document. And so, therefore, it has to be John. And most people agree that it is John. Uh, and then plus, an early disciple of John was Polycarp. And Polycarp was a student of John, and he wrote, he had a number of writings. One survived today, and he attributes the book of John to John. So early fathers um, come from that. So the date of John... And the date of John, now there's, this is a piece of papyri, and, and, and so we have to be very careful about, there's, there's a lot of critics, and people want to make a, a name for themselves perhaps, or whatever, but there's a lot of scholarly work, and as time goes on, people say, well, John was actually written around 150 AD and stuff, but in, But in a, around uh, in 1935, a person named Colin Roberts discovered this scrap of papyrus in Egypt, which contains which contains John uh, 19, or John 19, 31 through 33, 37 and 38. So there's actually Greek writing on the other side of this piece of papyri, and this papyri is. Three and a half by two and a half inches um, in in length and width. So it's a very small piece, but they've actually dated this piece of papyri um, to to about 125 A.D. And they, but it was in Egypt. So that give, and John lived to about 100. So and this would be a copy. It's not necessarily the the original document. It's more likely a copy of the Book of John. And so there was, there's enough time after John would write the, the book and then it'd be, uh, copied and then it would be transported to Egypt. Uh, so they date this piece of papyri around 125 AD. And right now it's, you can find, if you go to, um, it's, it's actually in displayed at the John Rylands University Library in Manchester, uh, United Kingdom. And so it's on, it's one of their precious things that in this library. So what they think, they, they believe, most people believe that John wrote John in around 90 AD. So now we'll get to the, the theme of John. And I've already kind of alluded to the theme of, Jean, of John, um, and the purpose is the, to give the gospel, um, but it, it actually does more than that. So, in order to provide the gospel, it also has to talk about well, who is Jesus the Messiah? Was he truly God? So, John makes a, or does a very good detail job in describing uh, Jesus and and the miracles, which means his signs. John calls them his signs. And he lays out seven signs in great detail, identifying that this person who's committing these signs is actually the Messiah or, or God. Uh, so there's three, uh, seven signs. And 
you can probably guess one of those signs because we went over them in great detail, and that was in John 9. Um, but there are six others, and the last one being the, the raising of the dead as Lazarus. Um, and throughout throughout the the book of John, Jesus is called or calls himself by lots of different names, and he calls him, himself the bread of life, the light of the world, and then uses the light as a common theme throughout the scripture. Uh, the door for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. So he gives himself a lot of names and those are references to things about the Messiah and references to the Old Testament. And then every time he he identifies himself with one of these names, he'll say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And that's a reference to Moses when Mo- Moses was um, meeting God at the burning bush. And then Moses asks, who are you, Lord? What, what's your name? He says, I am who I am. And so then Jesus, in his response to us and to the religious leaders, will say, I am. In fact, when he's arrested, and then are they, the people who are arresting him say, are you the man? And says, I am, and they all fall down. So he is, I am. Um, so to the, the most exciting part of, of our message today is the outline. <laughs> um, and, and it's really helpful. You should what you should do is go back to John and look through the scripture, look through John, look at the, all the different um, highlights because in your Bibles they typically will highlight uh, and provide you with a a basic outline. Uh, and then from that you can see how the theme is being built out and and see how what how the gospel is being presented, and how the evidence is building that Jesus is God. And that, and so what Jesus does on the cross, we can trust that it, he was the Messiah. And so in the, when John starts off, he starts identifying that Jesus is, is the light of the world and, and that he is the creator and the creator of all things. Um, and then he introduces the the announcer. So the announcer being John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is going to announce the, the coming of the Messiah. And then we have his the first miracle that happens in the wedding feast with the turning water into wine. That's the first miracle. And then Jesus cleansed the temple. Um, throughout Jewish history, there's been times where the the temple and and Israel and the people have been defiled through worshiping other idols and or doing things that they weren't supposed to do outside the law. And when Jesus came to the temple in in John and John chapter two, that the temple was being defiled because it was using the, for merchandise and money changing and stuff. And that's was not the place to do that. And so he cleansed the temple. And like other people have done before, they've cleansed the temple. Um, and then we have the new birth, which means uh, where the gospel is plainly given in John 3.16, um, where we, we become from 
uh, unsaved to save, and we now become a, a new person or a born again. And then we have the the incident with uh, the Sumerian woman uh, who meets the Messiah, and then the the nobleman's son is healed. Another sign, another miracle. The lame man is healed. Another miracle, uh, and then Jesus performs other miracles. And then Jesus, even though he's doing all these signs and clearly he's fulfilling scripture, then he's going to be rejected, which is actually uh, prophesied in Isaiah that he would be rejected. And then, then there he's after he's rejected, he's challenged by the religious elite. Um, where about the the adultery situation, and then he heals the man born blind in chapter nine. And then we have the story about the good shepherd. And then we have the last sign, the last miracle, the raising of Lazarus. And then the anointing at Bethany. And then Jesus, well, Jesus is prepared for his own barbaro um, and for his, his, the death and resurrection. And Jesus goes to Jerusalem and Jesus teaches, uh, services to his disciples. He, he prepares his disciples they, for his uh, death and resurrection and that they're going to carry on and, and bring the good news to the, the world. Uh, and then the Father and to bear fruit, the rest trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus, and, and then Jesus shows himself again to... Not, um, he shows himself to... Not only the disciples, but eventually to 500 other people, and would and they went out and testified that Jesus rose from the dead. And so you can have comfort and, and be encouraged that and have confidence that we do have a Savior that died on the cross and rose again because we have many witnesses who saw that. So, in conclusion, we've talked about the gospel or what what the gospel means. And John, who the person of John is, and then remember that John also wrote John 1, 2, and 3 and Revelation. Um, and he was the, the youngest disciple or apostle, and then he ended up being the last one to die. He, was, he lived the longest, and he was not martyred like the other the apostles were. Uh, he lived all the way up to about 100 A.D., and the when we talked about the date of the writing, you could have confidence that the the writing probably occurred around 90 A.D. And then the the theme is the gospel and and identifying Jesus as God and giving evidence for his deity. And then of course we went through the very exciting outline. That and I encourage you to go back and review and look at the outline and see how the evidence is building throughout John, okay? And so that's that's all I have right now, and I don't want to go into the first verse, but I will do so next time when I get the opportunity to come up here, okay? okay. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to learn about your gospel, the gospel of John, and understanding its context and how it was, how it came about, and that we have, we can have confidence in in this book, and learning about the evidence of 
Jesus and who Jesus was and clearly understand what the gospel is. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.